This is the Kol Hadash Podcast. The Jewish year is 5,780, and as we celebrate the high holidays of 2019, Rabbi Adam Shalom has chosen to reflect on the theme of old challenges anew. The next several episodes of the podcast will feature excerpts from our high holidays, of scripture or literature with a reflection, or the Rabbi's Sermon. This is part nine from the Yom Kippur Memorial Service. As long as we humans have been alive, we have died. Some of the oldest signs of human civilization, of human emotion, are graves, bodies buried, often with meaningful objects. We did not simply abandon our deceased to nature. We said goodbye in meaningful ways, because those people were meaningful to us. Just because we have been saying goodbye for thousands of years does not mean it has gotten easier. The old religious strategies, resurrection, ongoing communication, personal immortality, future supernatural reunion, they do not inspire or comfort many of us today. We still have those old human needs to deal with loss, to face life without our loved one. We remember those losses on special dates or at special moments or on any ordinary day when we might have picked up the phone or dropped an email or given a hug to make a loving connection. This high holiday season, we have looked back at the Jewish experience as a way to face old problems anew. And there is no problem older than the reality of mortality. Our mythic patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are noted not only for how they live, but also for how they mourn their parents and their partners. Abraham buys a cave to bury Sarah. Isaac finds a wife to be comforted after his mother's death and joins his estranged brother Ishmael to bury their father together. Jacob mourns the loss of his beloved wife Rachel, and Jacob's sons mourn the loss of their father. Even the exodus from Egypt does not forget to bring Joseph's body with them for his final resting place in the Promised Land. Jewish culture offers many rituals for death and memory. Some may no longer speak to us, like covering mirrors or refusing to bathe for seven days of strict mourning. Seven in Hebrew is Sheva, the origin of Shiva. Other traditions, like remembering a death anniversary at a communal gathering or by lighting a special candle, may still be moving. And some observances observances have changed in response to the times. In the modern way of death, Families sometimes experience the closeness and goodbye process they need in the week or two before the loved one dies. And so they sit shiva for a day or two or three, and that's enough. It is ironic to sit shiva seven for two or three, but there it is. In our earliest days, Jews believed in a shadowy afterlife, sheol, like the Greek Hades. When you died, you went underground and existed in a ghostly limbo. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 summed it up and also gave recommendations. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, 
to the good, to the clean, to the unclean, to him who sacrifices and to him who does not sacrifice. As is the good, so is the sinner, he who takes an oath as he who fears an oath. There is an evil in all that is done under the sun that there is one event to all. Go your way, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart. Let your garments always be white, and do not let your head lack oil. Live joyfully with the spouse whom you love all the days of your life of vanity, which he has given you under the sun all your days of vanity, for that is your portion in life and in your labor in which you labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work nor plan nor knowledge nor wisdom in Sheol where you are going. Make the most of this life, because this is the only life worth calling life. To be honest, this answer is still somewhat depressing. There's a story about the famous atheist Madeleine Murray O'Hare, who once was on a talk show and was asked, well, if you don't believe in heaven, what happens after you die? And she said, you rot. (laughs) Now, that may be factually true, but there are many other answers that are much more compassionate and responsive to what we really need. By the end of the biblical period, this stoic Jewish resignation to fate was not enough. The paradox of biblical promises of divine reward and the reality of religious persecution led to a new idea, an afterlife to guarantee that the religiously righteous would be truly rewarded. Rabbinic Judaism explicitly accepts a world to come and a resurrection of the dead in order to meet human needs, the need for justice, the need for more than a difficult life that 2,000 years ago was often nasty, brutish, and short. We may praise their hope, but we reject their rejection of the limits and the importance of this world and this life and the reality of mortality. Today, after centuries of human effort, this life is often good and long, though not always long enough. Sometimes death is longer, too. A long decline before the end is different from a sudden loss, which is different from cognitive decline before physical problems, which is different from physical decline when mentally sharp. One week in hospice is very different from three months. There is no one way to say goodbye, to prescribe feelings, to set a term on morning rituals that will answer every death journey. The most important discovery for mourning in the modern era is that we have a right to our own feelings, our own beliefs, our own reactions to life's realities in all their diversity and complexity. These are our needs to face the reality of mortality in the 21st century, to say goodbye in meaningful ways, to enjoy this life while accepting that it will end, to be comforted closely by family and friends for more than one day, but not forever, to create a space for memory in years to come, to know that our lives made a difference and that we too will be remembered. Why do we remember loved ones specifically on Yom Kippur? Why is a memorial service the end of our New Year's observance 
Call it Yizkor, he will remember, or as we say, Nizkor, we will remember. Because the rabbi said so is not enough, sometimes to my chagrin. The leaves are changing and falling. The weather is turning colder. The turning of a calendar page reminds us of the passage of time. The holiday table reminds us of empty chairs that were once filled with love. Blue Greenberg writes movingly about the needs that Jewish tradition can meet if we let them. Mortality is an old human problem that will never go away. Confronting the reality of mortality is a human task that will always be part of the human condition. At times, devout members of religions that affirm an afterlife are tempted to say that the deceased is in a better place, living a better life in a better world. Or they are tempted to suggest that there must be some sin or error or judgment that has brought this fate upon the victim. Such persons cannot tolerate the thought that what has happened is unjustified, for it violates their deepest principles about good and evil, reward and punishment. They need somehow to internally rationalize and justify a reality in order to bring the world back to proper equilibrium. The Jewish laws of bereavement, so exquisitely tuned to the needs of the mourners, stipulate that the Shiva visitor should not speak until the mourner speaks. I had always thought that the point of that precept was to ensure that the conversation would flow to the place the mourner needs it to reach. But I now understand that the halakha, the law enjoining the comforting visitor to hold back in silence, serves a different function. To caution against offering a rationale for the decree of death. The deeper human religious response is to be silent, to live with the contradiction, and to affirm that we need not force meaning into tragedy. Sometimes the deepest response of love is to be silent. The Kol Hadash Podcast is a production of Repatriation Studios. This podcast was edited and produced by me, Ken Burke. Thanks for listening.